morning. God, we are grateful um, that you're here. And we don't say that um, as some kind of a trite religious statement, but we believe that you are here um, at 3rd and Lincoln in Bloomington, Indiana on October 2nd of the year 2011. We believe there's a presence here and that you're here among us and you can talk to us and we can listen to you and we can talk to you. And so during this time, would you give us ears to hear what you want to say to us? Because we've said to you things through our songs and through our prayers, and now we want you to talk to us. And would you give us ears to hear? We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, who, uh, who, wants, who wants coffee? Okay, I see that hand. Hold on, hold on. I'm giving her the, uh, what is this called? What size? Whatever it is, hold that for her and I'll pour it for her. All right, I'm going to pour some coffee for her. As far as I know, this is still warm and it's still fresh, and I hope I don't spill it on you and burn you. I don't have a lid, so don't speed it. All right. Who else wants coffee? Who wants coffee? Wow, I see. People, people get kind of, these, these are the people who are not the morning people, all right? Who want, no? Oh, you want coffee, though? Yeah. Okay, what's your name? Emily. Emily. Are you a student, Emily? Grad I'm a grad student. student. She's a grad student. What are you studying, Emily? Organic chemistry. Organic chemistry. Don't, don't tell us what's in here. <laughs> don't tell us what this will do to your body. Who else? All right. Oh, it's <laughs> kind of a timid hand raised, but we'll take it. There you go. Now, she gets a smaller. You know, you've noticed this was like super size. She has the, what is that called, the middle size? That's a grande. Grande. Did I give her the big one? I don't know what I gave you. And then she's got the tall size. What's your name? Julia. Julia. Julia, what do you do? I'm a grad student. Grad student studying? Higher education. Higher education. Very good. This will help your mind and your thinking. All right. Who else? Yeah, sorry. So I'm on this side. I'm sorry, man. Oh, we got, some, we got some eager people. All right. She gets the short size. All right. Short. No offense. All right. What's your name? Margaret. Margaret. All right. Thanks. What are you? Are you a grad student, Margaret? No. You're a junior, okay. She said no with a little bit of offense. Like, no, I'm a junior, okay. All right, now, who, who else wants coffee? Okay, we have, a, we have someone who's willing to take a small espresso cup's worth of coffee, all right? I won't spill it. Okay, now, I also have, like, this Dixie cup. Anybody want coffee in that? You seriously do? You know what a coffee could do to a Dixie cup? I mean, I think it's a lot of wax on this. We want to try? Should we try it and see if it melts it? Oh, you got your own cup. Sorry. <laughs> Since you asked, though, I'll give. All right. All right. I'll say that again. Since he asked, I'll give. All right. You ask not. You have not because you ask not. You ha- All right. Who is that? Who is that? Do you have a cup? I'll get you one over here. All right, I will give you a cup because you asked for one, all right? This is uh, Jim Geezer, by the way, if you don't know Jim back here. All right. Now, a couple observations. Anybody about, uh, any observations about what I just did, about how much people got, who got coffee, who didn't? Anybody, somebody, just out loud. People that asked for it, got it. Not everybody got the same amount. Everybody had different capacities. All right? I was going to pull out this little toy teacup from one of my daughter's little teacup things. It's cracked and broken. Um, probably wouldn't hold a lot. And some of you might think, I'll take anything I can get. But I'm not going to pour it in here because I'm afraid it'll break on you. 
I don't want, you, I don't want to get sued because you get hot coffee on you. Kind of like Kramer and Seinfeld. So. Um, so what else? People got, they asked. Different people got different amounts based on their capacity. What else? Okay, I served it. I poured it out for them. I didn't say here, figure it out. Okay, I went to them. Some asked and didn't get. Now that breaks my analogy down, but that's okay. Some asked and didn't get. Some didn't want, correct? There are some of you, raise your hand if you really didn't want coffee. You just didn't want it. All right. You're honest. You didn't want it. All right. You wanted it, but you wanted something else. You were high maintenance is what we call that. Okay. All right. Now, uh, and I'll just notice too, I did get, you know, the, the good stuff. So anyway. I'm, I'm an addict, but I can quit anytime I want to. So that's what I tell people. All right, now, um, so different capacities. You get, you get because you ask. I went to serve you. Some who didn't want it. Some wanted it and didn't get it, which I said breaks my analogy, but there's something we'll be thinking about with that. And I don't mean to be tried in making this kind of next analogy because this is anything but a trivial thing to me, all right? Um, Wanting more coffee is one thing. And we understand the dynamics of that involved. We just little, this little game we just did. But what does it mean when we say, I want more of the Holy Spirit? And again, I'm not trying to be trivial because this is, this, there probably couldn't be anything more important or more intense, uh, more vital to all of us that we talk about. Because my guess is, if I asked for a raise of hand and I had the ability to pour it out on you, who wants more of the Holy Spirit? My guess is most of us, not all, some because there's other, and most of us would say, yeah, I, sign me up, you know. Some of us would be like, yes, but, kind of like Bina, yes, but, I want something else with that. Conditional, kind of a conditional ask, all right. Some might say, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what that means. Either I've seen excesses that I thought were goofy, or I'm not really sure if I'm let, ready to let go of anything of my life. But the reality is, for most of us here, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any period of time, or if you've been curious about Jesus for any period of time, or you're just here because you don't know, um, this phrase, the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, all these phrases like that, to some degree, generate a little bit of a, I don't have our weird meter, but it's a little bit of a weird meter. Kind of like, whoa, weird meter. Um, invisible being that's part of God sent to people to in, live inside of us to help us be the kind of people God wants us to be. I mean, do we believe Elvis is resurrected too? I mean, is that kind of weirdness? No, it's not. If there's something really true about it, but it hits the weird meter. And we're going to talk today about what Jesus had to say about this. Because again, I think most of us, uh, myself included, really want to know what, is it just a matter of asking? Is it a matter of having the biggest cup, whoever has the biggest cup wins, like Stephanie had the big cup? Is it a matter of asking without conditions? Is it a matter of not even asking at all? Because we've already got the coffee, we just don't know it. What, what's the issue, all right? Because we've been talking about the last, oh, I don't know, eight weeks, 
the Thursday night conversations Jesus had with his friends, otherwise known as the disciples. Thursday night was the night that he was betrayed. The next day he was brutalized, tortured, and killed. Then he rose a few days later as a resurrected uh, king, ruler, and leader of the entire world. All right, universe kind of thing. But we've been talking about some, it it was a Passover dinner. It was a religious celebration that was normal in their lives. Jesus and his 12 disciples, they would have had a table about yay long, kind of rectangular table. It would have been low. They didn't have chairs. They would have been leaning on the ground. Kind of they lean on one side, eat that way. 12, 13 counting Jesus. Um, They went through kind of the rhythm of the Passover meals, kind of like we do Thanksgiving meal. You know, we have the turkey, we have this, we have... But there was a certain rhythm that was religiously established based on remembering what God did in the Exodus when he let Moses and Charlton Heston out of Egypt uh, to come to the promised land, all right? No, but it was remembering that. Remember that God sets us free. Remember that God sets us free. Remember this, the phrase they used to say at the Passover meal was, we were slaves and we are slaves no more. That was kind of a mantra that every, from as soon as they could speak to the oldest person, we were slaves and we, were, we are now slaves no more. We are slaves and we are slaves no more. That was part of this. So Jesus is talking to them. He kind of he goes off script a little bit from the Passover meal thing. He's talking to them about things. This is when he washes their feet to start off the meal, which was something only, only the lowest of slaves did, but Jesus did it. So they know something's different already. They know something's being really kind of twisted around differently. He tells them, uh, he highlights a certain, he said, you know what? If you don't remember anything else, I want you to love each other. I mean, he, this is kind of his last, they don't know it, but this is the halftime talk of the big game. This is the last time he's going to talk to them in this situation, in this form. And they don't know what's happening in the next 24, 48, 72 hours that will radically transform not just their lives, but the entire history of the human race. They don't know that. But he's telling them things. And John, who was there, I was going to say he's the one to Jesus, right? But these are just actors, in case you didn't know. But anyway, um, John is the one that we're looking at today who recorded these things. Probably 30 years later, it came into print. We don't know if he might have taken notes a few days after. Like, I can't remember what happened. And at one point, Jesus starts talking about this thing, this being, this person called the Holy Spirit. Up until this point, the average Jewish man, woman, girl, or boy knew of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit in the Old Testament as that part of God that comes on individual people in individual circumstances. But it wasn't a mass availability for ordinary people. It was God came on the spirit of uh, Samson and he beat all these Philistines with just a jawbone of a donkey. And God came on the spirit of of uh, certain men and women who had certain craft skills to build the temple. And God came on the spirit of David. And God came on the spirit, or the spirit of God came on David. And so the spirit was something they knew about, but they, for them, it was, it seemed out of reach for them, out of, out of their grasp, because they weren't those kind of people. Those were like the Old Testament all-stars. And they got the spirit. So we're going to look today at some of the things Jesus starts to say about the Holy Spirit, and I want to reiterate one assumption that is a statement that is, is actually one of our mindset statements at Exodus Church, and that's this. We believe the invisible world is just as real as the visible one, all right? That's an assumption, a bedrock assumption we make about life, and without, and you may want to dispute that assumption, that's another time and another place conversation, but we're making that assumption, And it's an assumption that's easy to state but hard to live out. And most of you would agree with that. But we believe the invisible world is just as real as the visible one. All right, so here we go in John 14. This is, again, Thursday night. I just took out 
excerpts of the conversation. We don't know how long the conversation lasted, maybe a handful of hours. But there's a number of places in this Thursday night time where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And you can tell the way John recorded it, it must have been something Jesus was really trying to get into their heads. Just like when he said, love one another, and just like when he said, if you ask for anything in my name, I'll do it. Those are two things you could tell John was realizing Jesus wants to really get that. Love each other. If we ask for Jesus for something, he'll do it. All right? Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and here's where we go. And I will ask the Father. This is Jesus talking to his friends probably after the meal. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some of the Bible versions you may have read will use the word comforter there. Some will use the word counselor there. Advocate is really the best way to define it. It's the, it literally means come alongside and comfort and counselor. It's counselor like in the legal sense, like my legal counselor. But the advocate is one who's along, it's like a lawyer, who's alongside of me, who speaks for me in court, but also speaks to me as to what the court requires. So think of the Holy Spirit not as kind of your therapist counselor, or uh, your grandma comforter, nothing, nothing against them, but think of the Holy Spirit as the one who is the advocate for you to the Father and also advocates to the Father. He, he, he communicates to you, all right? Jesus says, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize in him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. They still were a little bit clueless about what that meant. Just like you and I probably feel clueless sometimes about the Holy Spirit. Because this wasn't a normal thing, the way Jesus was talking. You know, the world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Now, here, just a real quick question for this. Are you looking for him? Are you looking for the Holy Spirit? And where is your recognition level of the Holy Spirit? Just, just a question to kind of... Prop, uh, prob your thinking a little bit. All right. Now, later in John 14, same chapter, a few, few paragraphs later, a few minutes later in the conversation, talks again. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. All right. So the Father's going to send this thing. Now, in this case, what's, what's one of the, what's, what does this say the Holy Spirit will do? What does the Holy Spirit do for us? He teaches. He talks to us. You can't teach without talking, so the Holy Spirit's teaching. Let me go back to the one. Uh, in this one, what does the Holy Spirit do? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Sounds like another teaching function there. He's a, he's a communicator to us. All right, but this passage, he will teach you everything. He will remind you. The Holy Spirit reminds us of things that Jesus said, reminds us of things that God says to us or about us. All right, John 15, this is a few paragraphs later. Jesus says, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father, and he will testify all about me. So this is the third time in a matter of minutes that Jesus is reminding them, hey, I'm going to be sending you this advocate, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And again, they don't even know he's dying tomorrow. They're still trying to figure things out, but this is what he's, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit will testify to me. He will talk about me to you, all right? John 16, same Thursday night, same conversation. He's talking about, I'll be going away. And that's where they say, where are you going? And he says, well, you know where I'm going. And they say, no, we don't, Jesus. We have no idea what you're talking about. Stop speaking in code. And he, you know, kind of 
finally explains things a little bit better and their frustration, like our frustration, is a little bit, uh, you know, salved down, but not by much. But he says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he, Holy Spirit, the advocate, the invisible person of God sent into the human race in a real life time and place, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. All right, so here the Holy Spirit again has this communication function. Here he's talking about the communication function of the Holy Spirit where he talks to people about sin, about things that God needs, that are obstacles for us in our friendship with God or people who don't yet know Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is not only active in the lives of uh, the friends of Jesus, the disciples and we who are his disciples here this morning, but he's also active in the lives of people who are, out, who are not current friends of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit convicts, from, brings things to mind that are obstacles in their li- into life with God with them, all right? So Jesus has said these things about the Holy Spirit, the advocate. I don't know, maybe 45-minute time frame he's mentioned these things. So you, you figure at least John, who wrote it down, was thinking, I think, I think he's trying to, he wants to get this. This must be a big deal to him because he wants to get this advocate. He's leaving, but something's coming back in his place that will have the same and greater effect than his presence among us, all right? So then you know, most of you know the story. He's arrested that night, uh, tortured, brutalized, uh, murdered on a cross like a Roman criminal. Um, so at this point, my guess is the disciples, the last thing on their mind is the advocate speech. Like, well, they're just panicking. They're confused. They're running and hiding. They don't know what happened. They're hiding in a room, literally. They're hiding. So all this talk about the Holy Spirit and the drama is probably like, yeah, I don't remember what he said. I just know things are upside down now. All right? Not unlike, again, you and I might experience those situations in life. Jesus is resurrected. He literally raises from the dead, bodily raises from the dead. God does a great work and then they're all huddled in the room Sunday-ish, Sunday afternoon-ish. We don't know afternoon. I'm not sure when it was. Um, and Jesus shows up. And they'd heard that he had been rose from the dead, and all of them had seen him yet. But he shows up. And he shows up, and then John chapter... Tw- uh, I'm sorry. Let's get, get my clicker go. All right, he shows up in John chapter 20. And this is, and he says to them, it said that he was talking to them real briefly, and then it says he breathed on them. So I don't know if he went, I don't know. I don't know if he went around the table for you, if he, I don't know. I don't know if he blew in their ear, who knows what he did, you know? He breathed on them, and he simply said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So three days earlier, three nights or whatever, Thursday night, he was telling them that I'm going to send the advocate. You're going to have the advocate. He's going to talk about me. He's going to remind you of things I said. He's going to teach you. He's going to convict. He's going to communicate things from the Father from me to you. And now he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And I guess even at that moment, they're they so excited about what they're saying, they still don't know what that all means. They still have some le- reasonable level of confusion. Now, the book of Acts literally starts 40 days or so after the last event. So we're talking a span of, you know, what, that six weeks? On and off during that six-week period, we're told in the earlier part of the book of Acts that Jesus spent time with his disciples on and off. All right, so we're talking 
from the Thursday night talk to the first chapter and second chapter of Acts, we're talking no more than seven, eight weeks. So think back seven, eight weeks ago would have been first, you know what, August. It was about that time frame, not a real long time frame. Acts chapter 1, what records when Jesus is talking to his disciples. Again, he's telling them about what's going to come. They don't know he's going to be ascending and kind of leaving and going back into the heavens. But he uses this phrase. He says to them, don't don't do anything yet. You need to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the gift that I promised you. All right? He's just talking about, you know, the six or seven week ago gift. This advocate, this advocate he was going to be sending, this Holy Spirit that was going to be given to them. And he says, wait in Jerusalem until the gift you've been given, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right? He didn't tell them to embark on some massive multimedia campaign about Jesus. He didn't tell them to go build big church structures and use PowerPoint and sound systems and play drums. Those things aren't bad, but that's not what he believed at that moment was going to move his mission forward. Or it wasn't the primary mission. The primary mission, he said, you've got to wait because you won't be able to do anything until you have the Holy Spirit. And then what's, what's, it's funny, but it's not funny. Then you read, and this is Acts chapter 1, one of the disciples says to Jesus, okay, so Jesus, is now the time where you're going to restore Israel back to our former glory? And they're, ask, they're still asking a political question. Are you kicking the Romans out now? Is that what's going to happen? They, they still don't get it. They still think Jesus is a political person who's going to change things for the better. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's kind of like you're missing it. But he says, just wait and then when you, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. So he says, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. No, I'm not changing the circumstances of the world around you, but you will be given power from on high. And in so many words, paraphrase, and you're going to change the world. And then Jesus, before their eyes kind of ascends or goes into the heavens, and they don't see him anymore. All right? Still trying to figure out advocate, Holy Spirit, um, receive the Holy Spirit. He said that a few days. You know, said now he's saying baptize the Holy Spirit in power. They, they still don't know. But they know he said to wait. So they wait. They go to this room, upper room, a uh, room in somebody's house in Jerusalem. Nothing special about it. It wasn't like painted with special paint or carpeted with special carpet or air conditioned with holy air. It was just a place. No different than your house or my house or wherever. And then what the Bible says, what happened was something, they were praying, they were waiting uh, it was not just the disciples. It was over 100 or so by then who were gathering together. And it said like a mighty rushing wind, something happened in the physical realm that was coming from the invisible realm. And something changes, and they have this supernatural encounter with something that we're told is the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is they actually start speaking in languages they've never learned before. And others around Jerusalem during that time who spoke those languages were amazed when they heard these ordinary, unschooled people speaking in their language about the glory of God and about Jesus. Now, I don't, let, me, let me stop for a second here. I don't know, about, I don't know most of you. I don't know everybody's background church-wise. And some of you may have kind of a uh, reaction to 
well, they're speaking other languages. That sounds like things I see on TV that's kind of weird and people are babbling and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not trying to push that. What I'm trying to help, if we can at least agree on this, I mean, we know they spoke in other languages and whether that happens today or how that's supposed to happen today, there's good godly men and women who disagree on that. But what they all agree on is something supernatural happened. And something not just in that moment but, the, but they, the, from the next days and weeks and years and decades and centuries on, anybody who had the power of the spirit of Jesus inside of them were transformed people. And they were transformed in boldness. Don't raise your hand on this, but who, who would like more boldness in their life? They were full of more boldness. So they were filled with the spirit, full of more boldness. They were full of more forgiveness who among us wants more forgiveness in our life. They were full of more generosity toward others with their stuff. My my guess is most of us would love to be more full of generosity. They were filled with more integrity. There was honesty and, and openness and authenticity about them that was never something in their lives they'd experienced before. My guess is if we could had to sign up for who wants more, who wants to be full of more integrity, most of us, if not all of us, would say, yes, I, I want more of that. So they were full of more passion. They were for, full of more uh, just bold energy and f- full of more amazement at what God was going to do. They were full of life. And I'll use that in a capital L way when Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life. They were full men and women. And there was something about them that the rest of the city of Jerusalem were like, wow, look at how they love each other. These people are different. And they were full, even in some degrees, in some times, in some people, they were full of supernatural power. Peter and John and others were healing people. Said even when Peter's shadow went by people, they were healed. Lame people got up and walked. They were full. So when the Holy Spirit's fullness is not just about these dramatic supernatural manifestations of physical expression, but it's dramatic expressions of boldness, of evangelism, of forgiveness, of generosity, of integrity. Those kind of fullness things that every single one of us would agree, yes, there's more than what I have right now, and yes, I want more of those things. All right? So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter, as, they're, as he's explaining, um, go to the next slide there, Chip. Oh, I got it. I, you got it. Okay. As, as Peter's explaining what's going on, because people are confused, because it's, this time it's kind of dramatic and kind of weird. The weird meter is like almost broken at this point. It actually is broken. The weird meter is broken at this point. A new weird, weird meter is then created. And Peter stands up in the crowd and he explains to people, this is what, what's happening right now is what was described in the prophet Joel. Joel was in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the Jewish Bible. So the Jews would have known of this from hundreds of years ago, this prophetic statement. And God says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Now, don't let the words prophesy or vision or dreaming, don't let that count you out right now because that's not just talking about ecstatic kind of stuff. 
prophecy and dreaming dreams and visions, it's, it's a very, it, it's the way God speaks to average, ordinary, normal people. Prophecy is kind of hearing from God and hearing what God says to you. Visions might be sometimes you see it, you see a picture of somebody you don't know. I mean, just this week, somebody called me and said, I don't know why, but I can't get you off my mind. I think God wants me to get together with you to encourage you. I would say that person was experiencing a vision of a sort. It's not a dramatic thing. It wasn't like, oh, I'm seeing something. I'm in some kind of a technicolor 3D kind of dream. It was just something God was bringing to his mind. That's a vision. All right, don't, don't, don't count yourself out because you don't have those experiences. Dream dreams, things that are God puts in your head, some dream you have, whether it's a sleeping dream or something you just dream about in, re- in, in, in your waking hours that you can't shake and you think, I don't know, this might be God telling me to do this. That's what he's talking about. God's saying that in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit and people are going to hear me talk to them. They're going to have conversational relationship with me and I'm going to tell them things that's going to set them free and through them set others free and they will become the fully alive men and women, girls and boys that I desire them to be. That's what he's saying here. So... Back to my coffee analogy. I still have more, by the way. If somebody wants that at the end, it, it stays warm, I was told. All right. Back to my analogy. God wants, I'll make this general statement. I think it's true. God wants to pour out his spirit on every single person here. If you're old, if you're young, if you're a man or you're a woman, if you're upper class, middle class, lower class, PhD or GED makes no difference to God that's what he's saying here makes no difference to God God wants to pour a spirit out on you and again somebody might step back and say wait a minute you know theologically I thought if I'm a Christian I already had the spirit in me yes but can we at least agree there's always more if you have all of the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit has 100% of you and you have 100% of the Holy Spirit then uh, then you don't need to go to church anymore (laughs) really you don't I mean you don't need God because you got it I'm saying that facetiously because nobody has it all, all right? Um, and I, one of my mentors from years ago used to say, he said, do you believe, somebody asked him, do you believe that in a second filling of the Holy Spirit or, a th- you know, that we get filled again after a Christian? And he said, oh, do I believe in a second filling of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. He said, because I leak. My, 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 I, I, I have things in my soul that still aren't fully redeemed and there's times when I don't hold all that God wants me to hold inside of me. And there are some of you right now in your life where you feel like, well, the only capacity I have to offer God is this little espresso cuppy thing. I offer that to God. I, say, I want some. And you'll see that what God loves to do is he loves to start expanding I couldn't do this with Starbucks paper, but if I could, I was trying to figure it out. Expanding the cup to become larger capacity, larger capacity, and larger capacity. So what we need to be thinking about is how do I increase, there's a new word for us at Exodus here I got out of a book this week, a big word, stretchability. How do you increase your stretchability? But again, if all you have is a small cup to offer God and say, can you pour out your spirit on me? Offer him that. And if you say to God, but I, I, I really like a larger capacity, know that larger capacity means that means there's other things, obstacles that God has to remove to create space for the larger capacity. It's interesting in the Bible when you see the phrase, I will pour out my spirit. It shows up four times in the Old Testament. Isaiah, Zechariah, and Joel. 
And it's interesting is the passage right before that, Jesus is just crying to the people, will you turn away from your sinful ways and turn toward me? So if you're telling Jesus, I want you to pour out your spirit on me, he may need to do, and you're then inviting him to do, the prerequisite work of getting rid of the obstacles and turning you back to God so you have full capacity. I'm doing this like I'm this big cup. All right? So pouring out your spirit is not just this, um, yes, I want, I want Xbox for Christmas, I want this and I want this, and I want more of your Holy Spirit. It's a big ask. It's not a hard ask for God, but you're asking, when you're asking that, you're also giving permission to the prerequisite work to give you the largest cup possible. But he wants to do that. He doesn't want to beat you up. He's not saying, yeah, now I got time to go after your stuff. No, he wants to fill you. He loves to fill your cup. And so uh, one of the things we're going to be doing, not one of the things, the thing we're going to be doing, starting uh, from 1010 to 1120. That's not time, that's dates of the month. All right. So from a week from tomorrow to the 20th of November, I'm gonna, we're going to challenge people to pray specifically about the Spirit of God being poured out on certain things, all right? And I'll talk more about that next week. I'm going to ask you to, and it's going to be, in essence, I'm, I'm going to call it Jesus pour out your Spirit on Bloomington. And we're going to talk about praying not only for yourself, but praying for other churches in Bloomington and praying for a selected number of civic leaders in Bloomington who may or may not be followers of Jesus, but we're still going to pray for them. And we're going to pray over six different social, biblical justice uh, oppression issues, whether it's homelessness, um, uh, sexual morality, um, uh, uh, poverty, other issues in Bloomington. All right. But this week, this week, this week, all I want you to do is this. I want you to, and I, and I want you to do this this week. I'm going to challenge you to do this this week. Every day this week, I want you to pray this one-line prayer. I mean, that'll take you, what, 15 seconds? But I want you to pray it out loud enough that you can hear it. You may be in your basement room. You may be in your car with the radio off. You may be walking across campus, and you turn your cell phone and your iPod and everything else off, and all you say is, Jesus, would you pour your spirit out on me? All right? As a matter of fact, close your eyes right now, and loud enough, and look, look at the line, Jesus pour out your spirit on me. Let's just practice. So you don't need to get your, don't need to work yourself in some kind of spirit of prayer, but just because you don't need to anyway, just simply say, I'm going to say one, two, three, and just say, Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. You can say it as quiet as you need to so you can still hear it. All right. One, two, three. Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. Do it again. Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. One more time. Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. All right. So I'm asking you to do this. Say it out loud one time each day. So you might say, well, I don't really have much of a life of prayer. I don't pray. Hey, this, this is a huge prayer that will take you 15 seconds a day. And when you pray that prayer, you, things will come to mind as to what that might mean. All right? So I'm going to ask you to do that once a day. Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. And if you're on our church email list, I'll probably send this as an email one line or every day to you. And you'll get tired of it, but it only takes one, you know, 15 seconds to read. And maybe that's your reminder, all right? Second thing I want you to do this week, two things, two tasks. The next one um, is simply this. I want you to think of immediate family members of yours in Bloomington. And if you're from out of town or you're a student, think of one or two of your closer friends here in Bloomington, 
And I'm, I'm, I'm saying in Bloomington because we're, I'm going to focus on Bloomington right now. We're, and I want you to do the same for them every day this week. And I've, the last few weeks I've been doing this, so my wife's name is Kathy, so I'll be sitting in the basement and I'll be like, Lord, Jesus, would you pour out your spirit on Kathy? And, you know, I, you know, you might think, well, do I need to pause then? Do I need to say, do I need to? No, just, just, I kind of pause and I picture my wife and I try to think of things I know my wife's asked for prayer about and I try to think, God, what would that look like if you poured that in her life? Jesus, pour out your spirit on Gretchen. That's my oldest daughter. Jesus, pour out your spirit on Mark, on Allison, on David. And I try to say the whole line for each one. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a legalistic thing. It's more, it gives me a chance to pause. Because some of you might think like I do. Okay, if I have people I'm supposed to pray for, what does, if I think about them, am I praying for them? Do I need to touch a piece of paper like they do on TV? Does that mean I'm praying for them? I'm just, this is just a tool. Jesus, pour out your spirit on David. He's my youngest. And I've prayed for some of the leaders in the church that way. Jesus, pour out your spirit on Dan Hendricks. Pour out your spirit on Jeremy Clark. But I want you just to pick two or three. If you have a large family, you may have to do you know, more. A few people here in Bloomington, and I want you to commit that every day you're going to say, Jesus, would you pour out your spirit on whatever, all right? So that's the only commitment I'm asking you to make. It's two, one line prayer for yourself and however many lines it takes for the people that are close to you in Bloomington, all right? So I'm, I'm asking you to do that. I, and I, not in a legalistic way, like I said, because I think, I believe uh, God's on to something of what he, what, what he wants of us in Bloomington, all right? Um, and then next week we're going to talk more about the, take that. And this is kind of, I used to be a math teacher. So it's kind of like now we're doing the simple things. Next week we'll expand it a little bit. But it's going to be still simple. It's not going to be complicated. I'm not giving you long homework assignments. Don't worry about that. I'm not that kind of a teacher. I never was. With me I was in math. But anyway. Um, the last thing we're going to talk about as we close and go to communion. Let me back up here. I think I hit the wrong button. Sorry. One of the things that Jesus uh, you can go back to that John 9 slide. Yeah, here we go. This was earlier on. This would have been, you know, we don't know if it was weeks or months or necessarily when the disciples would have been with Jesus. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know it at the time. And it's interesting, this little parenthesis at the bottom we'll look at is when John kind of, probably when he wrote, he's like, that's what he was talking about. All right? And uh, now we lost it all together. Here we go. The Holy Spirit doesn't need technology, so if it wants to go out, that's fine. Anyway. On the last day, of the, there was a festival going on. It was a festival of shelters, another religious festival. They would, on the last day, on the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Now let me explain why this was meaningful, this moment. This festival was celebrating the provision of God for his people in the wilderness. And every day of this seven or eight day festival, uh, the high priest would go to this pool, the pool of Siloam, get a pitcher of water, and in a procession they would proceed, I think, to the temple, and they would pour out the water, pour out the water. They would pour out the water as a way to acknowledge and honor God and say, God, thank you that you have provided for us. All right? In the last day, it was more of a grand procession. So because water represented provision. So you can see now where Jesus, is, Jesus knows the right moment to enter into the dr- dramatic moment here. All right? He shouts to the crowds during one of those moments or right after one of those dramatic pour-out moments, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me. In other words, religious practices isn't going to do it for you. Come to me, Jesus said. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink 
For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Provision will be in excess and in abundance. And then John adds this after the fact. I mean, there's, you know, the parentheses, when he said living water, this is actually in the Bible. John's kind of editorializing after the fact because he figured it out. He was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. We're going to take communion here in a minute. And we do it every Sunday because we believe that um, the apex of what we do is Jesus. Because what we're saying is, I, I want more of Jesus. I, am his, I want him inside of me. And for those of us who are taking this morning, we're really saying, too, like, pour out more on me. Um, here's what I want you to do, though. Uh, I want you to get back. We're going we're to do this briefly, but still meaningful. I want you to get back in those groups you were in a second ago. The, not a second ago. It was like 35 minutes ago. Sorry. Um, and I want you to grab hands with those in your group. And I want you, if you can remember people's names, make sure everybody gets prayed for by name. Just for that one-line prayer. Lord, pour out your spirit on. All right? And if you don't feel like praying, you don't have to. Just somebody else, make sure everybody else's name is covered. Does that make sense? Make sure, and if you have to, like, if you forget somebody's name, Lord, pour out your spirit. And then, oh, what was your name again? Oh, thanks. Okay. That's okay. God doesn't mind those kind of interruptions. All right? So get in those groups. Grab hands. Pray for each. Make sure each person gets prayed for by name. Even if just one per- person prays. Lord, pour out your spirit on. Sorry, I'm kind of going long. I said, sorry, I'm kind of going long. <laughs> <laughs>